are we doing? Happy Father's Day to everyone. Did everyone call their dad yet? See your dad? You called your dad, I see, and said, hey, come work. Um, <laughs> um, I have not called my dad yet, and I'm not going to do that either. I, one time on Mother's Day, I called my mom first at church. It didn't, I, I, I'm feeling poor, um, which probably would not be the case if I called my father. Um, imagine, uh, have you seen Christmas Story, the Red Ryder BB gun? The dad on that movie, except angrier and more profanity. That's my father. I know. <laughs> so with that, um, we're in a series called Translating. And when you think about translating things, you're taking uh, something you don't understand and you're making it understandable. That's what it means to translate something. So if you're translating from a foreign language into your mother tongue, you're making it understandable. So we're taking six words uh, over the course of the summer that have th that are these really packed theological words and we're translating them and trying to simplify them. Uh, and sometimes it feels like we're tying things in a big old knot in the middle of it. But uh, hopefully by the end of the evening, we'll have one of those words defined for you. Last week, we looked at the word atonement, uh, which basically just means to cover. It's what uh, the death of Jesus did uh, for our sins. He covered our sins uh, much like... Uh, God covered Adam and Eve in the garden. Um, now, there's some themes that are going to pop up, at least over the first three weeks, over and over and over again. You're going you're gonna to get to the point where you're going, have we not already read this? And the answer is yes. Um, C.S. Lewis once said, the bane of modern preaching is the fear of repetition. Uh, so we will repeat things a lot. Um, it just helps you remember it. So the word... Uh, we're going to talk about tonight um, is uh, has the prefix of on it. You, if you're reading the slide behind me, you probably figured it out. Yeah, expiation. Uh, somebody read that definition because I can't. Not everybody at once. away so um think about it this way when you have an ex ex-girlfriend or ex-boyfriend too soon um ex they've been removed from you right ex give me some more ex words wait wait exit all right exhale means breath going out of your body. Has somebody somebody in the booth yelled something? Exclude. Exile. Ex exclusion. <laughs> Exodus. And these are all good. Um, so I had a list. Um, 
it's basically it, it's the the prefix it's either ex ec and i forgot the other one but but it means out or away from uh so my list was i had exit i had extend which means to stretch out um exceed um ex eject that's uh eject means to throw out um here here are two that i looked up i didn't realize that is uh an appendectomy means you move the appendix out of your body um you well you i would never know you do that but um have a professional do it uh if you need it so think about this idea is it's being taken away from you or out from you and uh in colossians uh we don't have this slide but i want you to flip to colossians chapter two and so big idea for us tonight is going to be this idea that that something is taken away from us or pushed out from us uh for our good and so in colossians 2 when you got it say i got it we'll wait we got it awesome colossians chapter 2 verse 13 when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature god made you alive with christ he forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. So what Paul is telling the church of Colossae here is that, look, your salvation is final. It's it's done um when you see um that jesus has fulfilled the written code you see that there having canceled the written code or done away with the written code and all its regulations that was against us that that means it's it's paid for now one of the problems that i think we deal with um at, at least from a pastoral perspective is this idea we're really good when we talk about the gospel and we talk about sin being paid for, the penalty of sin being paid for. One of the things that we don't necessarily always make really clear is what what comes about as a result of that. Um, you, you think about, um, I came to Christ late in life as a child of Jesus. And... Um, I had I had stacked up a lot of uh, bad stuff in the sin in my life, and what came with that was a lot of guilt, a lot of shame, and um, I think for a lot of us, we we want to believe that that we say we believe Jesus paid the penalty for it, but somehow he didn't do anything with the guilt and shame. Does that make sense? And so we carry around this heavy load of shame and guilt, and we really, we have trouble functioning because of it. Because, man, what if people find out, right? Well, here's the great news about 
our words tonight. That's exactly what Jesus did here at the cross. He expiates our sins. He takes our sins away from us, the guilt and shame away from us. And so tonight we're going to look at a lot of Bible tonight. So buckle up. And we're going to be in a place we were in last week. And I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, we'll probably be there next week. Maybe the week after that. Leviticus 16. So find that. It's the Day of Atonement in the Old Testament. And then, so mark that. And then find Hebrews chapter 9. So if you remember last week, if you were here, I told you about the two goats in Leviticus 16. We're going to get to know those two goats really well. It's not good to be one of those goats, by the way. Either one of them. Uh, But we're going to get to know them pretty well. So the Day of Atonement, uh, where the sins of Israel were paid for yearly, uh, the first goat was killed, and the high priest cleansed the sanctuary and the holy objects in its blood. And then the second goat, which is where we get the word scapegoat for, uh, the uh, priest would lay his hands on that goat's head, and then they would take it out into the wilderness as far away from the camp as they could. And that was... That symbolized God removing guilt and shame and sin from the people, right? That's to expiate, okay? Big $6 theology word for you. All right, so Jesus fulfills the roles of both of those animals. We talked about that a little bit last week. He provides a covering uh, of blood and opens the way for the Father. Uh, Isaiah 53 uh, is a prophecy about how the Messiah is going to do that. Um, I would encourage you to read through Isaiah 63. Um, but let's just, um, let's look at, let's go, to, let's go to Hebrews 9. Actually, Leviticus 16, I think it's closer. Verse 7 of Leviticus 16. Yeah, it's closer. Leviticus 16. Talk amongst yourselves, right? All right, here we go. Now we go. Verse 7. Leviticus 16. He is to take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the entrance to the tent of meeting. He is to cast lots for the two goats, one lot for the Lord, the other lot for the scapegoat. Aaron shall bring the goat whose lot falls to the Lord to sacrifice it for a sin offering, but the goat chosen by lot as the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to be used for making atonement by sending it into the desert as a scapegoat. So, if you go um, to Switch to Hebrews 9 now. This is going to be fun. We're going to be flipping back and forth a lot. Hebrews 9. Hebrews is in the New Testament. Verse, um, let's look at verse 11. When 
Christ came as high priest of the good things that are already here. He went through the greater, more perfect tabernacle that is not man-made, that is to say, not part of his creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciousness from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. So the writer of Hebrews is taking what we just read in Leviticus 16. You see it? Here's, here's Aaron the priest. He's got these two goats, right? And they cast lots. One of them's got to be slaughtered and the blood pays the penalty. We'll talk about that next week. That's propitiation, right? The other goat is the scapegoat. That's expiation, taken away. What the writer of Hebrews is saying is Jesus, not only does he fulfill the role of the two goats, he's also the high priest. So it's mind-blowing when you think about it. When you look at the work of Jesus, and a lot of times I think we really probably oversimplify it, right? Um, he, he's taking the sacrificial system of the Old Testament, which is very complex, got to be followed to the detail, and he's living out obedience to all the laws, and then because none of us can keep those laws, he's paying the atoning sacrifice for that. So this is kind of a big deal, right? It's the kind of thing we should get really excited about when you go, wow, the New Testament and the Old Testament are telling the same story, right? And so um, verses 11 through 15 of Hebrews 9 show how Jesus is the fulfillment of the cleansing ritual, how he enters the most holy place with his own blood, right? Uh, Verse 15 Uh, shows that our promise of of eternal inheritance is based on what he did, not on what we've done, right? So look in verses, uh, jump down to verse 22. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Verse 23, it was necessary then for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these sacrifices. But the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. So in uh, 22, if you keep going on through 25, it goes on to explain that Jesus' cleansing of the heavenly sanctuary was with his own blood once for all, right? So contrast that to the every year the priest on the Day of Atonement had to do this. What the writer of Hebrews says is it's done. It's also what Paul wrote to the Colossians. Right? It's, it's over. All right? So, you look at the instructions in Leviticus 16, and you see that both of these passages in Leviticus 16 and Hebrews 9 follow basically the same order. Um, 
So the next step in Hebrews 16, I mean Leviticus 16, is the um, placing of the people's sins on the goats. Um, so go back to Leviticus 16. finished making atonement for the most holy place the tent of meeting and the altar he shall bring forward the live goat that's the scapegoat he shall lay both hands on the head of the goat confess over it all the wickedness and rebellion of the Israelites all their sins put them on the goat's head he shall send the goat away into the desert in the care of a man appointed for the task the goat will carry on itself all their sins to a solitary place and the man shall release it in the desert Okay, jump back to Hebrews 9. See, I told you, this is fun, back and forth in the Bible. Verse, uh, let's do 26. All right, Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world, but now he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Just as man is destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once, listen to the language, to do what? It's okay. This is an audience participation moment. To take away. Right? To take away the sins of many people, and he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for it. So, think about this. It would have completely wigged out the Israelites if they're, let's say, a week after the Day of Atonement, right? Everybody's feeling good. Sin's been, you know, we've had all that blood splattered all over the temple. Our sins are paid for. We confessed. The old scapegoat, they took it out in the desert without washing their camel, whatever the thing is. And into the camp wanders the scapegoat. Wouldn't it completely wreck their sense of security? Right? Wait, that, that thing had all of our sin in it. It wandered back into the tent. Now, it probably would have never happened because they took it way, way out. But the possibility always existed that it could wander back. What the, what the writer of Hebrews is saying is here, Christ was sacrificed once, look in verse 28, to take away the sins of many people. He will appear a second time, not to bear. He's not coming a second time to bring all the sin back and go, look what you people did. It's not why he's coming back for. He's coming back to get his bride who he's paid the price for to come. So he's not bringing back your list of sin and shame. Right? It's been dealt with. Let, let's, let's drive some more stakes into the heart of this idea that we have to put around our um, sin and shame. Um, look at Hebrews 10. Beginning in verse 1. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year make perfect those who draw near to worship. So the writer of Hebrews is saying, look, all these sacrifices, all the obedience to the law, all the trying to obey the law, it can't, it doesn't work 
Verse 2, if it could, would they not have stopped being offered? For the worshipers would have been clean once for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins because it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. So part of the problem with animal sacrifices is that the sins still remained. So yearly it had to be dealt with over and over again. Um, so Hebrews 10, 4 uses this uh, really uh, important word. Uh, it's the Greek word akirio. Uh, its meaning is to remove, uh, to be cut off. It's exactly the same description as a goat in Leviticus 16. Um, Christ sacrifices both necessary and entirely efficient to deal with our sin and our guilt. Look at Hebrews 10, 10. By that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. So, you, you need to get this. It's done. And so what happens to us is the enemy uh, and our own conscience will say, yeah, but. And even sometimes we'll have this conversation internally. Man, if God asked me, where's the meat for Isaac's two daughters? We're not hiding anything from him. And um, what, what the writer of Hebrews does for us in, nine, in chapters 9 and 10, it's the clearest picture uh, in the New Testament we have of how Jesus fulfills what's going on in Leviticus 16. Um, and we, we could literally spend a, a couple of days just digging in Hebrews 9 and 10. Um, but I, I do want to just, let's just look at some more <laughs> verses in Hebrews. Um, let's look at um, 12 through 14. So verse 11 says, actually day after day, every priest stands, performs his religious duties again and again. He offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins but when this priest he's talking about jesus had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins he sat down at the right hand of god so jesus sits down you know why he's done that's just true he sits down since that time you know what he's doing He's just chilling. That's the unpublished book version. Since that time, he waits for his enemy to be made his footstool. Because by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. That's good news for you. Jump down to... Let's look at this. Verse, uh, let's go down to verse 15. The Holy Spirit testifies to us about this. First, he says, this is the covenant I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts 
and will write them on their minds. Then he adds, their sin and lawless acts I will remember no more. If you underline things in your Bible, that should be one of those things. I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, there is no longer any sacrifice for sin. Here's what, here's what happens. If, if we believe what the writer of Hebrews says, in 12.2 he says Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. If we actually believe that, then here's the truth about our guilt and our sin. We don't carry it. We don't have to. Here's, here's what happens. The, we, because we're sinners, we come into the world shaking our fist at God. We are defiled. We're, we're dirty. Right? And the Bible uses words like cleansing, um, expiation, atonement. It uses all these words to talk about us becoming clean. And the result of us being dirty is shame. Defilement leads to shame. That's, that's why in uh, Genesis chapter 3, we looked at it last week, Adam and Eve sin, and their first reaction is guilt and shame. They, remember, they try to sew their own fig leaves together. Like, whose fault leaves are going to be a good job? Right? Trying to cover themselves. That's what we do when, when we feel shame. We just try to cover ourselves. We either cover it, like, literally, or we try to lie and cover it. That's what guilt and shame does to us. Um, shame exists where there's sin. So feeling shame isn't always bad. Unless it isn't dealt with. And the way it's dealt with is through the gospel. Jesus forgives our sin on the cross, and he cleanses us from all the sin that we committed. Through, through the cross, Jesus takes away our sin. The guilt of it, the shame of it, takes it away from us forever. And the, and the key for us is learning how to live in and walk in that. And um, it doesn't mean you just get a blank check and you get to do whatever you want. Um, that's why... That's why when, as a believer, when you sin, you have this heavy um, sense of guilt, right? Because you realize, wait, I, Jesus died for that. Why am I, he, Paul wrote two whole chapters in Romans dealing with that. Uh, Romans 6, Romans 8 deal with this idea of why we, um, much like the Israelites, want to go back to Egypt and serve our old masters. And, but, but the Here's the good news about the giant word expiation. Your guilt and your shame has been removed. And you don't have to live in it. That's good news. Right? I think it's great. Um, so,
because um, yeah, we have a priest who is also a Jewish father. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Any, any other? So yeah, we'll 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 do this. We'll do this. Anybody else got anything? There is some, um, y'all, y'all know what we're talking about, Azazel, it's in Leviticus 16, give us a reference. If you were, if you really felt like you had a grasp, just tune out. Um, <laughs> um, so um, I'm actually trying to find the word now. It's the word Azazel, right? Um, I'm trying to find that word. Oh, ten ten. Sorry, sorry. I've only read this like forty times. You think they know where it is? So. Some people think, did you hear your bell? That this is, that Azazel is, um, is the sin being placed on Satan or, or a demon in some way. In fact, there was a movie. I think there was, somebody did a movie on this. It was If you know anything about the New Testament, Because we just read in Hebrews where all of that's placed on Jesus and taken away. It's, um, it's just, I think, probably sloppy and um, because if you read it in context, it's just a ghost, right? It's a symbol for something else. The writer of Hebrews tells us what it's a symbol for, not Satan symbol for Jesus, right? That help? Okay. No, it was good. It was a good question. That's why Bethesda translations say you don't get that word. Yeah. There's a difference between carrying around crippling guilt, right, of sins you've committed or that have been committed against you, right? You can carry that guilt around. 
right? If, if I, I know people that were abused as children that somehow carry guilt around for that, for what someone else did to them, right? That sin has been carried away from you, right? In Jesus, if you've confessed your sin and you're made right, you're clean as far as you know before God, that guilt and shame is done away with, right? You don't have to carry that anymore. That, that's, that's why confession is, is good for you. Um, confess your sins to one another. The, the New Testament writers tell us often to do that. It's, it will constantly be clean, right? Think, think about how, how once you confess sin, you're the freest person in the room, right? Once everybody knows, you're just like, ha ha, I'm out. Um, when it gets hard and it starts to suck the life out of you, then you try to keep it a secret. So the difference between carrying that guilt around and you've committed sin and you just don't want to confess it or whatever, that guilt is healthy because the Holy Spirit uses that to bring conviction. For you to say, to come clean before God, right? It's been paid for. It's not, it's not so you can, you know, get a better house in heaven. It's just so you can live better, right? Um, we'll talk about that more when we get to the, when we talk about justification in about three weeks. Um, but that's a, that's a good question. There's this fine line between um, you, you understand what I'm talking about. The guilt and shame has been paid for and removed. It's anything you've confessed. You don't have to carry that anymore, right? Um, the other stuff, you just need to deal with it. Does that help you? Oh, awesome. Okay. a weird altar call, wasn't it? Y'all want to sing again? I do. Are we, are we doing? <laughs> are we doing what I think we're doing? Uh, all right, let's do this one. This is a great song, right? When you think about what has been accomplished in the death of Jesus and the fact that our sins 
have been paid for and the guilt for that has been removed. That ought to make you want to change. Um, I don't don't know a better song to sing about that than the one we're about to sing right now. So with that said, y'all, let's sing together.